Traders Point, how are we doing today? It's so good to be with you. It is December 20th, if you're not keeping track, which means we are two days away from our first Christmas services here at Traders Point. Yeah. Unbelievably excited about that. And uh, as we're getting ready for that, just want to put it out there one more time for you to be inviting. Invite people that you work with, your family, your friends to come and either attend a service with you or to watch with you from wherever you're watching from online. And I know I talk to people and they're saying, it just, it just doesn't come up in conversation. How do I talk about that in the middle of a conversation? I just want to give you a few practical handles of how you can get to Jesus in a conversation in this season. Here's an example. Tomorrow, you go into work or you pop on the Zoom and you start talking and you're talking to your coworker, Greg, and you're like, man, how was the weekend? He's like, good, it was great, actually. We went to the fairgrounds, we looked at the lights. And you're like, oh man, that's incredible. I love looking at Christmas lights. Can I tell you about the light of the world, Jesus Christ? <laughs> I'm telling you, you can get there from any angle. Flip it around. Say you show up to work tomorrow, Jim hops on the call and you can tell Jim's sad. And you're like, Jim, why the long face, bro? Like, man, I was driving into work today and hit a pothole, popped my tire. And you can be like, well, Jim, I remember when I had a lot of potholes in my life. <laughs> Jesus came and filled every single one of them. Now it's smooth for me. No, I, I'm, I'm joking, but seriously. Uh, it is a great opportunity to invite someone to catch a service, to come and to celebrate the life-changing truth about what it means for, for not just us that come to church, but for the whole world. It's really, really good news. You can find all of those Christmas invites on our app, on our website. So take advantage of that. And then also just wanna pause for a second because in two days, our lead pastor, Aaron Brockett, is also gonna begin a preaching marathon. So just wanna take a, a second right now. Can we celebrate him? Let him know we're behind him, that we're encouraging him. We can't wait to hear what God has laid on his heart. And with that, I just wanna take a moment right now and pray. I just wanna pray for our services, pray for him, pray for all the people involved and those that get to come and hear about Jesus. So would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this season. God, a season to celebrate you, to look to you, to honor you. And God, we pray that as we come together for this, it's all for one, one goal, one purpose. And that's to, to celebrate you, to showcase you, to show you for who you are and that people could draw near to you. So God, be with Aaron as he preps for the message. Give him the endurance and the wisdom, the strength to get through and to celebrate you for a week straight. God, be with the creative team, everyone that's put together the service. God, be with all of our ministry volunteers and staff members. God, that's once again, so we can clear the way, make it clear, remove the barriers so that people can come face to face with Jesus this Christmas. God, help us to do that. We love you. It's in your son's perfect name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey. Excited for Christmas and excited for today because we're continuing in our series, Anxious Christmas. And here was the big idea behind that. Christmas every year comes with a little bit more anxiety, right? You know that you're either going to be traveling to see some people you haven't seen maybe all year. Uh, there's some conversations that are going to happen, some sleeping arrangements that are going to be a little weird, conversations you're not looking forward to. There's always that level of anxiety with Christmas, whether of people we're going to see or not see. And through this year with COVID, it's, it's added some extra anxiety of what is this going to look like? 
How do we get to do all the things that we've grown to love to do through the season with the restrictions? What does that look like? And we've said it's easy to kind of just look at that and to say, let's just put our head down. Let's, let's, just, let's just try to get through it. We'll get to next year. Then next year we'll celebrate. What we said is no, now is the perfect time to celebrate. Now is the perfect time to look up and say that there is nothing that can cancel Christmas. There is nothing that can stop us from getting together and remembering what God has given us nobody can take. That's what Christmas is about, of us drawing near to God and soaking in that, remembering all that he's done. It reminded me of this email that I saw this past week from uh, a superintendent uh, at some schools in West Virginia. Maybe you saw this, but, but take a look at this email. It says, for generations, families have greeted the first snow day of the year with joy. It's a time of renewed wonder. At all the beautiful things that each season holds, a reminder of how fleeting a childhood can be, an opportunity to make some memories with your family that you hold on to for life. For all these reasons and many more, Jefferson County Schools will be completely closed for tomorrow, December 16th in honor of the first snow day of the year. Closed for students, closed for virtual, closed for staff. It has been a year of seemingly endless loss and the stress of trying to make up for that loss. For just a moment, we can all let go of the worry of making up for the many things we missed by making sure this is one thing our kids won't lose this year. So please enjoy a day of sledding and hot chocolate and cozy fires Take pictures of your kids in snow hats that they'll outgrow by next year and read books that you have wanted to lose yourself in, but haven't had the time. We will return to the serious and urgent business of growing up on Thursday, but for tomorrow, go build a snowman. And I thought, man, she gets it. And I don't know what awards superintendents get, but if whatever that award is, she should get it for, for setting the tone and remembering that that's what this season is. And for us, let's let Christmas be that. Let's let Christmas be that renewed wonder that we can go into remembering all that God has done. A time to, to slow down. You know, I saw that email come through and then our kids got a snow day the next day. And that was the excuse that I needed. At lunchtime, we went outside, we had a snowball fight, we built a snowman, we came in, we had hot chocolate. We literally did all the things that this email said. Let Christmas give you the excuse that you need to slow down, to remember, to sip a, a little slower on, on your hot beverage and to just take it all in, not to rush past it, but to remember all that it means that the creator of the cosmos, God himself, would become a part of creation, that he would join in on the human experience and just live in that and all the implications that it has, that we can go from here knowing that nothing can take this season from us. Nothing can take our God from us. Nothing can take the strength and the wonder that we have in his name. But the tension that we face every single year is the familiarity, right? We know the Christmas story. We've been here before. And because of that, we show up not as expectant for God to do something new. Like we, we kind of already know the story. We know what's going to happen. So what we want to do today is just let's look at the Christmas story from a different perspective, through the eyes of, of a different character in the Christmas story. And some of you are like, well, I have no way to 
approach the Christmas story other than hearing it for the first time because I've literally never heard it before. And I just want to say you are probably better suited in this season than most of us because you get to hear it with fresh eyes. But for all of us, this time, let's look through the Christmas story through the eyes of Joseph. And maybe you're like, no, we, we know Joseph. No, we know Joseph's a part of the story, right? He's, he's a supporting character somewhere. He's, he's like a bench player. We, we know he's there, but we're not looking for him to, to give us much. But we want to see in this season is that Joe's story relates to a lot of us and what God used him to do and how he used him and the faith that Joe had to have through that first Christmas is something that is for all of us. So as we look through Joe's story, we're gonna theme it with this line and it's one for all of us. Please hear this today, no matter where you're watching from, in the room or online, you are not alone. And I just want us to, to, to sit in that, to believe that, to, to say it, whether audibly or in your mind or on the chat, you are not alone. This is, this is what Christmas tells us, that even when it feels like it, even when it looks like it, there is nothing that could stop God from getting to you, meaning you will never be alone, no matter your circumstances, no matter what you face this season, there is a God that is for you and that there is a God who is with you. And to look at this, to jump in on that first Christmas, months, months before we would learn about the birth of Jesus, it first starts with Joseph and a young lady named Mary. And these two, uh, as all good stories start, it is a love story and they are set up to be married. But then something really big and something really crazy and something really wild happens. One that we just read over, but I want us to, to live in it. That's the whole thing with today is, is make it real. This is a real story with real people. Put yourself there and try to understand how crazy this would have been, all right? But with that, Luke chapter one, it says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. And she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. There's our guy, a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. A few big things to, to pull out here. This is not normal, all right? Uh, at this time, when the angel shows up to Mary, God has not spoken in 400 years, 400 years. That's like two 2020s, all right? So it's been a really long time that they have been waiting on God to speak, which is strange because God was constantly speaking to them, warning them, encouraging them, showing them where to go next. But there has been all this silence. And then God shows up, and, but he doesn't talk to who you might think he would. He doesn't go to a king or a queen. He doesn't go to a religious leader. He goes to this ordinary woman named Mary and the ordinary man named Joseph. That this is who God begins to speak to. And then he says this, the Lord is with you. That is something that we're going to hold on to for the rest of our time together. So write that down, hold on to it. The Lord is with you. God shows up to Mary and says this. And, and look what he says next. Confused and disturbed. I bet there's no other response. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. The angel said, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. 
and you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. Pretty wild here, all right? This is, this is a big one. I don't know if uh, an angel's ever came to you and said that you are now going to be pregnant, that you are gonna have a baby, all of this, which is just crazy to think about on its own. But when you get really practical with it, this is a conversation that an angel had with Mary. Mary now has to have this conversation with Joseph. Put yourself in that situation. You are a woman who is going to be married. You have to send your fiance a text message and says, hey, got some news yesterday. You wanna get some coffee? And you sit down and you begin to share, hey, how's it going? Me, good, yeah, no, um, so, Yesterday, did I tell you about yesterday? No, I didn't, okay. Um, this is gonna sound like a lot, and I know what you're gonna think, but move past that thought really quick, okay? I'm pregnant, now, now, hold on, hold on. It's God's baby, okay? Don't, don't for a second think that I'm, I'm not gonna marry you. I'm still gonna marry you, but I'm, I'm with child, okay? What, what do you think? What are you supposed to do to that? How do you respond to that? And we get Joseph's response. This is where we pick up with Joe. It's in another part of your Bible, Matthew chapter one. But look at this. This is, this, is how, this is how he interacts with it. This is how Jesus Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Can you blame him? He just sat down for a cup of coffee and finds out that his wife is pregnant with God's baby. And we don't know a lot about Joseph, but it says that he's a righteous man. He's a man that follows after God. He tries to do his best, but this story is just a little too much. I think a lot of times we read the Bible and we're like, well, that just, that must've been going on. Like God was just handing out babies like hotcakes. Like every day it was like, you get a baby and you get a baby and you get a baby. No, no one even knew someone that had talked to God recently. This was so out of the blue, so unexpected. It was hard to believe and, and Joe can't believe it. He says, you know what? I, I'm gonna break this thing off, but he does it quietly. Because if he would make a big deal out of it, that could have led to Mary really being punished or even killed for, for this. This is scandalous at the time. And Joe, Joe leaves the coffee and he goes home that night and he goes to bed. I mean, it would take an act of God to believe this story that Mary's given him. And that's exactly what he gets. Look at this. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Wow. So the, what has to happen happens, right? Joe gets what he needs to be able to believe that this really is happening. That Mary is telling the truth, which is fascinating. But if you live in the story, 
you have to think that now a big conversation has to happen. Joe has just broken off the engagement. He's just told Mary that he doesn't believe her. Now he has to send a message and ask for coffee himself. And just picture the conversation. They sit down and Joe's like, hey, thanks for meeting with me. I, I, just wanted, I just want you to know, you know, I thought about what you said and I remembered the good woman that you are. And if you say that this is God's baby, I believe you because I love you and I wanna spend the rest of my life with you. And you gotta just think Mary's like, hold on, help me out, Joe. Cause yesterday I told you this, yesterday I was crazy, right? Yesterday you didn't believe me, but today, Joe, today, today somehow you, you think I'm telling the truth. Now everything is working out. Can you help me connect the dots, Joe? And Joe's like, well, you know, I just, um, I slept on it. You know, I had a good night's sleep. I hadn't been sleeping well lately. And um, I was just reminded, babe, babe, <laughs> babe, look, it's me and you. Till death do us part. I'm ready. I believe you. That's God's baby. Let's do it. And Mary's like, an angel told you, didn't he? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, yeah, but that's not it. All right. That's not all of it. I made the choice. I'm here for you. And Mary hits him with the closer. I'm going to tell you one thing, Joe. If every time I say something, you're going to need an angel to come down from heaven to, to verify what I'm saying. I don't know if this marriage is going to work, Joe. And Joe apologizes, the first of many, many apologies and the first of many struggles that they would have in this relationship leading up to their marriage and to the birth of Jesus. But just put yourself in Joe's shoes. He's taking all of this in. He's finding out overnight that everything that he saw about his life is now completely undone. It's gonna look very different than he thought it was going to. He doesn't even get to do the normal dad thing. Like he doesn't get to name his own son. It's not gonna be Joe Jr. It's not gonna be JJ. God tells him this boy's name is going to be Jesus. He says he has to do it because that fulfills the prophecy where they're gonna call him Emmanuel. And maybe you read that like, well, which is it? Because it's a bad prophecy if you're gonna name him Jesus, but it says you're gonna call him Emmanuel. And so what's his name? Is it Jesus? Is it Emmanuel? Have you thought about this? And the answer is yes. It's, it's both. And, and if you look at this, if you notice carefully, it's what it said. It says, you will name him Jesus, but they will call him Emmanuel. You will name him Jesus and they will call him Emmanuel. And we, we need both of these names. And God was being very precise that it has to be these names. So Jesus is his name. Emmanuel is his nickname. And a nickname, if you think about it, maybe you had one growing up, it describes who you are or what you're good at, uh, help to differentiate you from other people. When I was growing up, I had a, I had a nickname in my neighborhood. It was uh, Little Ryan. It's a great nickname to have. Um, Little Ryan, if you're from the West Side. But uh, how did I get that nickname? I was short, all right? And in my neighborhood, there were two Ryans. So we had a big Ryan who was a giant in comparison to me. And then we had me, Little Ryan. It described who I was. I also had a friend who we called Nine-Toe Joe. Do you know why we called him Nine-Toe Joe? Because he had nine toes, all right? 
So what God is saying is his name is Jesus, but they're going to call him Emmanuel. Both of these have deep and rich meanings to tell us more about who God is, this God that is coming at Christmas. And let's just focus on the first one there, Jesus. Jesus is how we translate it, but the name is, is actually Yeshua. And there were a lot of Yeshua's running around at the time of Jesus. It wasn't a unique name to him. If you think back, maybe in my time, it was like um, Michael was a common name. Today, I don't know, whatever hipster name, Succotash, whatever you guys are naming your, your kids these days. I'm such an old man now. Um, but Ye Yeshua was a really common name and, and it had a lot of meaning. It was the word combines two words. The, the Yah at the front there was for Yahweh, which was the Jewish word for, for God. And then Yeshua, which stands for salvation. So, so literally Jesus's name means Yahweh saves or, or God saves. That, that's what his name means. And then we get even more, the, Emmanuel, it actually tells us exactly what that word means, which is we don't have to do any work, but Emmanuel is God is with us. So you think about this, 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 is, this is Jesus. This is who has come. This is who God has sent, that it's Jesus, God saves, and it's Emmanuel, God with us. And we need both of those to fully capture what Jesus came to do for Christmas and for all of eternity. Because it's not enough just to say that, that, that God's coming, right? It's not just enough to say that, that, that God's gonna be here. Because take a look at this, dad is coming home. Without context, without any more than just that, it's hard to know if that's really good news or if that's really bad news. Some of you got a little uncomfortable just reading it. Like, dad's coming? Why? Why? What did, did you tell him something? I didn't do anything. I, I promise. Or it could be really good news. Dad got off work early. He's coming home to take us to the zoo. I don't know. But depending on what the context is will tell us if this is really good news or really bad news. The good news about Christmas, the good news about the names that God chose for Jesus, that this is how he would be introduced to the world. It tells us that, that God has not only come, that, that, that he is not only here with us, but that he is for us. And that is really, really good news that when we think of a God, we don't have to think of a God that is distant, but we get to think of a God that is not only with us, but that he is for us, that he is fighting for us, that he is guiding us, that he is leading us into the future, that he wants more for us, that he, he's a God that is for us. And this would have been such a strange concept to try to understand for an ancient Jewish person because you have to think about the way God showed up before Jesus. Let's just say God wasn't exactly approachable, all right? And rightfully so, he's the creator of everything. He came in a big way. Like whenever we would see Jesus, uh, or when we would see God before Jesus' birth, God came as a tornado, as a storm, as a furnace, just blazing heat, as a pillar of fire. This is a cloud of smoke. Like this is the way God showed up and it was terrifying. No one could get close. There's this one account, this guy named Moses who, who's talking to God and he says, hey, can I, can I see your face? And God's like, you silly, silly man. If you saw my face, you would die in a second. You can't get this close to me. It is not possible. So he actually has to hide Moses behind some rocks and shields him as he goes by. But then we get Jesus. 
And we get to see all that who God is. We get to know God on just a whole new level. Jesus makes God accessible and knowable and approachable. Colossians says this about Jesus. It says that Jesus Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. That once he came in different ways, once no one could come close, but now because of Jesus, we can know. I mean, this conversation happened with Jesus. They would ask, hey, when are we gonna get to see the Father? When are we going to see God? And Jesus would say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you want to know who God is or what he would do or how he would respond, look to me and how I would respond. That Jesus gets to show us who God really, really is. And God wants us to draw near. How do I know? Because what's the opposite of a tornado? What's the opposite of a pillar of fire? A baby. A defenseless baby. God is saying, I'm coming near. I'm going first. I'm leading the way. And I'm going to be completely vulnerable and open myself so that you can come and that I can not only be with you, but you can know that I am for you. It's safe to draw near. This is the God that we celebrate on Christmas. The God that is not only with us, but he is for us. And this is the baby that Joe has been asked to raise. Imagine, look, I can remember when we had our first kid. I say we, my wife did majority of the work, all right? But I was there and I was conscious for that one. Um, But I remember holding her and thinking, I don't even know how to hold a baby. How am I going to raise a baby? How How am I gonna do this? Joseph would have had those same thoughts, those same ideas rushing through his head. But the blessing that I think Joe got that many of us try our whole lives to avoid and pretend isn't true of us, but it is. It's just as true as it is for Joe as it is for us. It's this, this only works if God shows up. This only works if God shows up. I have no idea how to raise God's baby. This only works if God shows up, but that's true of all of us. If we could approach our lives with that mindset, we go to work every day, no matter how much we think we're in control or are ahead of it. This only, if we just pray, God, this only works if you show up. God, this only works if you lead me. God, this only works if, if you guide me and lead me to where you want me to go. God, will you show me what is next? That Joseph got, he got to live with this. And just think about how, how much, how desperately he needed this. Think of the scandal that would have broken out when the town finds out that that his soon-to-be wife is already pregnant, that he would have had to take that, that his reputation would have been torn apart, the rumors would have come, the distance that would have been placed there, and he would have had to been strong, not just for himself, but for Mary, for this newborn baby. He had to hold on to all of that, knowing, I don't have the power to do this. I've never been a husband before. I've never been a father before. God, you are gonna have to show me the way. And usually we pack up with Joseph's story, with the Christmas story in general, after the wise men come. If you're familiar with the story, uh, Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem. They're trying to not have a baby in a place that that they don't live. It doesn't work. They end up having a baby in a barn. It's gross. It's, It's a horrible situation. Great news. Some wise men come. They deliver gifts. It's a whole party. It's going great. And usually that's when we end. Like, oh, Christmas was great. You know, they got gifts and everything is perfect. 
But what happens right after this shows us that it was gonna be a constant struggle, that just because God was with them didn't mean they weren't gonna face things, didn't mean they weren't gonna have to put themselves out there over and over again. Look at this in Matthew chapter two. After the, the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And that night Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. And they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. I mean, come on. Just made it through all of this, traveled with his pregnant wife all the way to this place. They give birth. They are dirt poor. They have nothing. They are doing what they've never done before. And then he goes to sleep. He finally got little Yeshua asleep. And he sneaks over, he closes his eyes. And once again, in a dream, God comes to him. This man, no sleep. The man cannot go to sleep ever without God talking to him in a dream. And it says, now, you have to go to Egypt now. And he leaves that night. Think about how hard that would have been to leave the only bit of familiar that you have, the people that you know and love, people you grew up with, to go to a country you've probably never been before to begin a new life with your new wife and your, your new son that you completely feel out of place for. And he left that night. Think about the faith that that would have taken, the trust that that would have taken for Joseph to be able to do all of that. I don't think we give Joe enough credit. Like I know the stories about Jesus, rightfully so, married number two, great job, but Joe, come on. He's a part of the trio. He's gotta be sneaking his way past the shepherds, all right? The man is incredible. He packs up his whole family in the middle of the night and goes to Egypt by faith. And there's so much here from Joe's side, from Joe's angle, from Joe's perspective that he got to see that not only applies to him, but it applies to all of us. And I just wanna take a second to grab a few of those that we get from Joe's story throughout the Christmas story that we can take with us this week. And the first one, is this, that we need to start believing. God loves people more than I do. And maybe that's a different view of God than you have ever experienced in your life. But that's what Joe had. He believed that God loved Mary more than he did. And he believed, Joe, he believed that God loved Jesus more than he did. He knew this was God's son. But here's the truth. All of us were made in the image of God. All of us, God says, if you come to me under Jesus, that all of you are sons and daughters of God, meaning that when you look into your life and you look at the people that you love, God loves them more. God loves you more than you love you. God loves your kids more than you love your kids. They're not really yours. They're not really mine. We just get to steward them for a little bit. They are God's and one day they will return to him. That's what he wants. That our friends, we love our friends. We would do anything for them, but there is literally nothing we could do that would ever match what God was willing and is willing to do for people. He loves people more than we do. That's the first thing. We need to start believing that, living like it's true, trusting him to guide us, even when it doesn't look 
like it should. And the second thing is this, stop believing there is a cap on my life. Stop believing that you're at the end of this thing. Stop believing that there's no way that God can use you. You ever had that thought? I can't. I can't, I can't be who they need me to be. I can't be the mother. I can't be the father. I can't be the friend. I'm never going to measure up. I've hit my lid. Listen, if God can guide Joseph to be the father of Jesus, God himself, if he can lead Joseph to do that, he can lead you through whatever you're going through. And he led Joseph and Joseph failed. I don't know all the times Joseph failed, but I'm telling you, I know he failed. If you read, there was once he actually left Jesus, home alone style. They go to visit a town, everyone packs up and leaves. And it is a long time before Joe's like, y'all seen Jesus? No, they have to travel back days to go back and get my guy. They left him. There will be times in your life where you fall short, where things don't go the way you thought they would where it'll feel like you've hit your limit, that you have nothing else to give. But in that moment, God is saying, never. There's no limit to how he can use you. There's no limit because God, Emmanuel, it, it takes a whole new meaning when we know that when Jesus came here, that he also sent his spirit to be with us. That God is no longer with us, next to us. God is within us, leading us, charging us, guiding us. That this, this big idea that God wants a better life for you than you want for you. Do you believe that? Not, not that he wants you to have more money or an easier life or even to be happier, but he wants better. And he has a whole way that we can look to and to follow and to trust that God wants more for you. God wants more of, of you. God wants you to experience more love. God wants you to understand more patience, more peace. God wants you to have more influence for you to feel that you have been empowered to shape and influence all of the people around you that you know that there is never a corner that you're backed into. There's never a darkness that you can slip into because there is a God that is with us. There is a God that is for us and fighting for us to know this. That's what the Christmas story tells us. It is all about God drawing near. God clawing and scraping and doing the unthinkable to make sure that he could get close to us, saying it's safe. Draw near to me, come to me for the best life, the most abundant life possible from now until all of eternity. That's what Christmas is. So I just wanna leave us with this question. What are you doing to get closer to God? I mean, that's what this season is. It's to remember and to celebrate all that God has done to get closer to us, but what are you doing to get closer to God? What's stopping you from getting closer and closer to God? Is it a schedule? Do you constantly find yourself saying, it's just a bad time, I'm just too busy. I wish I had a little bit more time. What is it that is keeping you? Now's the season to address it. Now's the season to say, no, no, I'm gonna to stop all of that so that I can make room. You will never stumble into time. It is something that we are gonna have to carve out and to make room for. And I just wanna give us a few ways that what that could look like for you this week to get close, to draw near to God. One is our family Christmas guide. 
And you can find this on our website. It is great for families with kids. It helps walk through so many resources and activities for you and your kids to draw near to God. And even if you don't have kids, I'm telling you, this is a great resource. Don't be too proud. There is some great stuff in kids' literature. I will tell you that much. If you've ever read this Jesus Storybook Bible, I read it all the time. It is a Bible for children, but it will break down the Bible in ways that you have never heard before and get to Jesus so clearly. I read it. There's no shame in my game, all right? Whatever you got to do, though, in this season to draw near to God, and it will cost you, it won't always be easy, but I can tell you one thing, it will never match what God has already done for you. It'll never come close to what God had to do to come close to you. That what God would have to do to, to leave heaven, to be born as that baby, to live through this unbelievable life that, that, that we all get to experience, that we fail at over and over again, he would live perfectly and Jesus would go to a cross for me and for you. And he would take it all on. The wrath of God, all of the, all of the guilt, all of the sin, all of the separation, all of the reasons of why we couldn't come close to God, Jesus dealt with it on the cross and he died to it. But it's really good news that our God rose three days later, defeating sin, defeating death, saying the coast is clear, come on out, be with me. I'm, I'm making a way when there was no way. I'm carving this thing out so that you can come to know me. And I wanna leave us with a promise from Jesus. Because maybe you're thinking, maybe that was just for Joe, that was just for Mary. What about me? How do I know God is with me? Well, look at the promise, the last words Jesus spoke before he ascended into heaven. He said, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Come on. This is our Jesus. This is the promise that he has made, that if we trust him, if we follow after him, that it will lead to places we could never imagine, to a better life, to new levels of love that we could never experience outside of this. No limits. And that invitation to follow Jesus is open today. And if you're here today and you're seeing God in a new way, that now you see God is not only with you, but for you, that has done so much just to be with you. And if you wanna be with him, you can. You can start that process by just texting the word Jesus to 87221. Someone from our team will follow up and you will get to walk with Jesus. And I'm telling you, many people can attest to this. There is nothing like it. There is nothing like walking with God. There is nothing like knowing he's forever in your corner. And for all of us, those that follow Jesus, those that have trusted him, there is only one rational response to the lengths that Jesus was willing to go through. And it's complete surrender. It's to say, God, I saw what you did. 
I saw how you moved heaven and earth just to get close to me. Now I offer my life as a sacrifice. Everything I do, I do it for you, Jesus. That's what we're gonna sing right now. And we're gonna sing, and I just wanna ask you if you can to stand. Whether you're watching at the campuses or watching online, would you stand with us? And we are gonna worship, and we are gonna celebrate the one that is in control. We are gonna celebrate the one that loves us more than we love ourselves. We're gonna celebrate the one that puts no caps on our lives. Never, that we can never be back down because our God is with us and our God is for us. We're gonna celebrate him and we're gonna offer everything we have. We do it to him. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for today. God, we thank you for this Christmas season, a time of renewed wonder to be reminded of all that you've done, to soak in that, to be changed by that. God, allow us to see you for who you are, for who you want to be seen as, as a loving father, as God with us, as God for us. God, thank you for the promise of always being with us every step of the way, that we have a God that understands pain, that has experienced it, that you can be with us in our lowest of lows, in our highest of highs. God, more than anything, help us to carve out space to be with you and to trust you with everything, to trust you with the results, to trust you with our lives, to trust you even when it doesn't make sense to us. God, we hand it over to you, knowing you're a good, good father. Jesus, we love you. It's in your perfect name that we pray. Amen.